Listening to Battle Red Radio. My name is Matt Weston, and this evening I'm joined by uh, Scott, who talks and writes and thinks about the Oakland Raiders. How are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, and so the idea for today's show is that we're going to kind of do an interview with the Oakland Raiders, think about the Oakland Raiders, I investigate them a little bit, and kind of get a better idea of what's what they're up to uh, heading to the Sunday's game at three o'clock. So the first thing here with the Raiders is that. The Texans traded a third-round pick for Gary on Conley, so they turned Jadavion Clowney into big play Barcavius Mingo, Jacob Martin, and now Conley. The Texans are also without their first, second, third-round pick from the Clowney trade, either third or fourth-round pick from the Duke Johnson trade as well, too. And they may get two compensatory picks as well in the third round. Uh, Bradley Roby is hurt. Jonathan Joseph has been banged up all from this year, and they already missed Philip Gaines. That's how bad as it's been uh, for the Texans' secondary. So... It's good to get all that out of the way. So to set up the the setting for the Gary and Conley trade, um, he's 56 in success rate and 52nd yards per pass allowed according to Football Outsiders advanced charting data. So what are your general thoughts on Conley? Was this a good trade for Oakland, uh, and what is Houston getting back for a third round pick in this case? Well, first of all, sorry uh, listening to you name off all of those uh, trades and acquisitions for the Texans. That doesn't sound very fun, but it's not sorry very fun. It's very sad. But overall, talking about Conley as a whole, I think he's an okay corner. I mean, I know they took him as a first rounder. He had some question marks off the field when he was coming out in the NFL draft. But those allegations ended up turning to be false. But overall, he's one of the, as a first round cornerback, there's kind of two ways to look at it. On one hand, you want to get noticed by getting interceptions, doing positive plays. On the other hand, sometimes it's better not to be noticed because that means you're not really screwing up that much. Conley didn't really do anything to jump off the page for me. I think he was okay, but Oakland's secondary as a whole has been a mess. Then again, so is their pass rush, so they have had to cover receivers longer than originally anticipated because of their inability to get after quarterbacks. Do I think Conley is a bad corner? No, I think time will tell. I think that uh, some other cornerbacks in the league who have struggled early on just simply need a change of scenery before they're able to turn around. I can think of Eli Apple, for example, who got run out of New York with the Giants, and then he's found a way to find himself a, a nice role on New Orleans' defense with one of the best defenses in the entire league. I don't think that it's a bad acquisition for the Texans, who are, I'd say, in drastic need of trying to fix their secondary for potential playoff push. So overall, I wouldn't say that it was a bad trade. I think it's going to be a game-changing trade. No, I think Connolly has some potential due to his athleticism. But as a whole, I don't think the Raiders will be missing that much. I also find it a little bit concerning for the – I don't really know why the Raiders would trade him to a team that they're playing against this season instead of simply just waiting until the game was over to trade him before the trade deadline. I don't think I've ever seen that before. That's a little bit weird, but I don't know. Overall, I think Connolly's an okay prospect, but he so far in his young career has a lot to prove, and he hasn't really done much of it. Yeah, and like watching the Raiders, I didn't even really – I know Connolly graded out pretty well last year. And this year, I didn't really notice him at all. I don't really notice warmly at all either. You know, they're just kind of there, except for the Packers game. And Conley was just like abused all over the place by even like the Packers four string wide receivers and that sort of thing. And I joked, it's a, it's a shame that the Texans can't take advantage of Conley this weekend in their matchup. But I agree. I haven't, I haven't seen a trade where somebody makes a trade and plays against them that same week. It's kind of a strange one. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I was trying to think on the top of my head if I've ever seen that before. I haven't. But in terms of Connolly getting torched last week, that is true. But the Raiders off a bye might have had one of the worst defensive game plans against Aaron Rodgers I've ever seen. Yeah. I don't know how you come off a bye and let the opposing quarterback get all day in the throw. It didn't seem like they blitzed that much last week in comparison to recent weeks. Rodgers had all day in the pocket. He was sacked one time. And he threw for five touchdowns and had a rushing touchdown. So I don't think anything on defense worked. So I'm mm-hmm. not just going to blame that on Connolly in particular. Yeah, and that one sack took like 5.7 seconds too. Uh, and the Packers did a really good job attacking the Raiders linebackers that game. The other thing that's going to come with Conley is this idea that the Raiders play a lot of zone. It'll be a lot better in a man scheme that Houston plays. Houston's played a lot of cover one man throughout this year with Justin Reed just back there. And as do you think he is that true? Is he going to fare better in a man-heavy scheme where he's an outside cornerback? Well, I mean, I think some of that has to also do with the fact that Houston has a better pass rush than the Raiders do, so he should have a much easier time trying to cover receivers for less for shorter periods of time. In terms of his actual just athleticism, that's what got him drafted 24th overall back in 2017. I mean, he's six he's six feet tall, he's 190 pounds, he's got some physicality, which does bode well for a man system. But overall, I think he'll just play better because of the fact that Houston actually has some resemblance of a pass rush which should definitely take some of the pressure off him in the secondary. Yeah, J.J. Watt helps things for everybody. And the Texans pass rush has been whatever lately. It's just it's been, been better J. than the Raiders. It's been better than the Raiders, but it's like, yeah, just J.J. Watt and nobody else. Uh, well, I mean, you traded Clowney, so that you kind of knew what was coming with the territory. On yeah, that. yeah. And like Whitney Merciless hasn't been as good lately, and D.J. Reader has kind of fizzled out against better. It's like run-heavy teams where he has to stop the run more and also against better interior blocking. So the, the Raiders this season – going into this game they uh their offensive line's been really good this year they're fourth and just in line yards and fourth and just a sack rate they're ninth in pressure rate too Derek Carr has created her highest in completion percentage and yards per attempt so after last season and going into this season with the addition of Richie Incognito and also Trent Brown are you surprised about how good the Raiders offensive line this one uh, how good the Raiders offensive line is this year after having injury struggles and tackle problems since 2017 well, overall, not really, considering the fact that they went out of their way to get an Incognito and Brown. They paid Brown a boatload of money, and people were concerned about what they were thinking with regard to that contract. I mean, Brown's had some off-the-field issues that I'm not really going to go into because nobody really knows the story of the domestic violence accusations, but they're still dealing with that. He's also had a calf injury, but he should be playing in this game. Overall, Brown has been as good as advertised. Incognito, people were wondering how he would do just because he took a year off from football last year before coming to the Raiders, so people were wondering. He seems like he seems right at home. Doesn't seem like a step at all. I'm not going to mention any of the you know issues he's had in the past because that doesn't really have to do with his performance with the Raiders. He's done well. But the main thing that I could also think of is the fact that the Raiders drafted a left tackle uh, two seasons ago, uh, two years ago in Colton Miller uh, from UCLA. He was awful last year, and it seems like he's actually made some steps some steps forward. Uh, and the rest of the offensive line stayed the same. You still have Gabe Jackson. You still have Rodney Hudson. So I think the fact that you were able to keep some of the key pieces on the offensive line, develop some of the youth, and even acquire more talent is definitely a good sign for the Raiders. I feel like I'm a little bit surprised with how quickly they've gelled together. But as a whole, based on the actual just talent on the offensive line, the only question mark going in was Miller and maybe Incognito from some slight layoff. But overall, Incognito's been great. And Miller, I wouldn't say he's been amazing by any means, but he's definitely taken a, a huge step forward from last season. So mm-hmm. I definitely think that the Raiders as a whole have played better. 
So mm. I'm a little bit surprised, but not extremely surprised. Yeah. Now, I, Miller's been really surprising because last year's hands were a mess. They were bad in, in, whenever he was in college in UCLA, too. And uh, they've been awesome this year. I've also really enjoyed how they've pulled both Incognito and Miller and even Trent Brown, too, in the alley to pick up second-level defenders and safeties and slot corners, that sort of thing, to help spring Josh Jacobs. Uh, well, yeah, Jacobs has definitely been – he kind of flew under the radar a little bit, especially on hard knocks because Josh Jacobs was going out of his way to avoid the cameras at all costs. If you heard about that, Mm -hmm. which I kind of appreciate, but Alabama running backs, people kind of always blend them together as being, you know, these physical runners. They have a couple of year lifespan, the exception of maybe like a Mark Ingram or so, but overall Jacobs has been great. And it seems like he's done a really solid job behind this offensive line. And I feel like that that can only lead to more success in the future. Yeah. So the Texans have a you know like a fringe top five run defense. They held Marlon Mack I think to fifty three yards on twenty one carries, or then I guess all the Colts running backs were held to that. Um, he had tr- even Marlon Mack had trouble at using vision and breaking open at all. The Colts had problems blocking the first or moving the first level against Houston too. And the Raiders have a, a top ten run offense this year. Their offensive line's great. Do you think the Raiders have the type of run game that can just run against anyone? Or are you expecting them to struggle against Houston uh, this weekend? Well, I think that they might struggle a little bit more than anticipated, but I don't think it's anything that's schematically based. I know Josh Jacobs has not practiced all week due to a shoulder injury, and as of right now, he claims that he's going to play even though he has not practiced all week, but he's clearly not 100%. So I know that Jacobs is a tremendous running back, and I believe he's averaging 4.9 yards per carry. Uh, he's averaging 5.1 yards per carry, I think, I believe so. So he's been great. But as a whole, you always wonder, just based on the fact that the Texans have a great run defense and the fact that your star running back is not at 100%, and that's not exactly a good combo for the Raiders going into Sunday. As a whole, I think based on the offensive line itself, they should be able to have success just running the ball against the majority of teams. But I think most of it's going to come down to Josh Jacobs' health as well as game flow, considering the fact that uh, if the Texans get out to a huge lead, Oakland might abandon the run game entirely. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, that's a good point. So, let me know, all right, so is this a true statement? Derek Carr is a good quarterback as long as he has great pass protection. Well, first of all, the statement itself, I'll say it's true. I'll start out there. But I don't think the statement really says anything, considering the fact that if you're getting paid millions of dollars to throw the ball and you have time in the pocket to throw the ball, then you probably should look like a pretty good quarterback. I I feel like the issue you run into Carr, which is honestly a perfect, I feel like the statement's perfect for Carr, because even though he's been successful this year and in his career he's been pretty solid to say the least, but as a whole... He doesn't really do anything to jump off the page. And I feel like that's something that you're kind of looking for in a star quarterback. I mean, the Texans are thrilled to have Deshaun Watson because he makes plays that arguably nobody else can make in the entire league. There's nothing that Carr does to me that I can say only Derek Carr or maybe only a select group of players can make that throw. Now, some of that has to do with the weapons in the receiving core because Antonio Brown didn't end up working out. So that definitely took away a deep threat for Carr to look for in the regular season. As a whole, I think Carr is serviceable. Do I think that he should get paid as much as he is to be a franchise quarterback? Probably not. But in terms of the statement itself, I'll say it's true because most quarterbacks tend to play well when they have a lot of time in the pocket, and Carr plays well when he has time in the pocket. Yeah, and that's and that's a great point. That's kind of the problem with Carr is that he has to have really good pass protection. He struggles against a, against a good pass rush, and whenever and he doesn't make like everybody around him better. But if he has a lot of time to throw and he can just play, you know, backyard quarterback. Uh, you know, seven Mississippi football. He's a, you know, he's good. He can win with arm talent alone, but you have to be able to do more than that because any quarterback in the NFL is good with a lot with uh, with time to throw the football. Well, in terms of his actual skill set, if you compare him to other quarterbacks in the league, I don't think he's really elite in anything. 
His accuracy is pretty good, but then again, the Raiders just choose to do a lot of short passes, which definitely pad his statistics in terms of accuracy. His arm strength is pretty solid. I wouldn't say that it's one of the best. It's one of the best arms in the league, but it's definitely probably I'd say top fifteen, top twenty, give or take. And his mobility is. It's underrated. Do I think it's amazing mobility? No, but I think it's better than some other quarterbacks in the league. I don't. I think that he's middle in the pack in pretty much every single aspect of his skill set, which is kind of what makes him a serviceable quarterback, in my opinion. There's nothing that jumps off the page, as I said before. Yeah, yeah, he's not really great at anything at all. So I know we're only halfway through the season, but the Raiders would save $16 million if they trade or cut Derek Carr after this season and $19 million in 2021. Uh, do you think Carr's going to be here for the long term, or do you think Oakland's going to look look to move on after the season, find a different quarterback? Um, if, Are you asking me what I think they should do, or what do I think they will do? Why not? We can do both. Well, you do both? Okay. I think they're going to keep Carr, because I think that they wouldn't have signed him to a huge extension in the first place if they didn't plan on having some long-term goal with him. I think it definitely makes sense to keep Carr from the perspective that you already have Gruden under contract for about nine more years. I'm not going to go into that one. But the fact that you have your coach under contract for about nine years and Carr is still under is still in the books for a couple more years makes me believe that the Raiders front office believes that they can build some type of chemistry between the two of them. So I think they probably will keep him. Do I think they should keep him? Not really. I don't think Carr is going to do much in order to turn you into an instant contender. I know that the Raiders need a lot of pieces in the future, particularly on the defensive end, which has – been an absolute mess for the majority of the season but as a whole I mean he doesn't have many weapons on offense but I, I we pretty much agreed before that on the last uh, thing that we talked about is that Carr isn't really uh, an elite quarterback he's kind of middle of the road so I don't really know why you would try to hold on to a middle of the road quarterback unless you think he can get you to the Super Bowl and I think in order for him to get to the Super Bowl he needs a ton of talent around him so I think it would be a lot easier if you potentially shipped him save the money and then you ended up potentially drafting another quarterback in the upcoming draft and use the money elsewhere to draft one of the key skill positions you might need. Do I think they will do that? No, but I think they should. Yeah. Please consider. Yeah, and also too, the Marlon, uh, not the Marlon Mack, but the Cleo Mack pick, you can even bundle that pick in your current pick and move up to this draft if you wanted to move on this season from him as well. So I think, I think Carr's had a good season. The biggest problem with the Raiders' offense is they don't run enough plays. They're ninth in plays run, I think, with like 376. And or the I think they're twenty second in plays run, so they're on the bottom of the league. They just don't run at plays because the defense is bad. And they also don't create a lot of explosive plays on offense. It's a lot of slower drives, a lot of running the ball, a lot of short passes, like you mentioned too. So Carr's had a, a good season with Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, Tyrell Williams, and Foster Moreau as their top pass catchers. Uh, what are some things that John Gruden himself has done to make this offense work this year? Well, I think it's kind of a cop-out answer, but I definitely think the balance offensively has been a lot more noticeable. I know last year they had Doug Martin and Marshawn Lynch, but they only averaged 4.2 yards per carry. Some of that had to do with the fact that their offensive line wasn't as good as it is now. This season, they're averaging 4.9 yards per carry. So definitely, I mean, 0.7 yards per carry increase is definitely something that's worth mentioning. I think Josh Jacobs has done a great job with the line. It definitely has opened up some play-action passes in the passing game based on the fact that now the Raiders are actually a threat to run the ball on a consistent basis. And I think that overall, the offense itself thrives on throwing short passes, leading very, um, you know, just heavy, uh, just a ton of plays per drive. I don't think that they've had really one huge home run play, with the exception of maybe a couple of passes to Tyrell Williams in the first game against the Broncos. But as a whole, I think Gruden has done a pretty good job in terms of rotating talent based on the injuries that to deal with on with the receiving core with Tyrell Williams, and he was out for a couple games. But overall, I mean, if you look at who they had available against the Bears in London, 
They had virtually no receivers. If you actually look at the depth chart on that, everyone was injured. Dwayne Harris has been injured. But yet it seems like Gruden's system has worked out well in the sense that they can plug and play players and try to put them in the best position to win. Now, am I surprised that they're 3-3 three and three based on that? No, but all that has to do with the fact that their defense is a mess. But as a whole, I definitely think balance has played a huge factor with the running game, which has opened up the play-action pass. And also, the emergence of Darren Waller has definitely paid huge dividends as he has been – probably the most productive tight end in the league up to this point in terms of the season. So that definitely helps having him on your roster. Yeah. And so where did Waller come from? He's 27 years old. He's a former six round pick from Baltimore. Uh, did the Raiders sign him like two years ago? Was he, did he make a bunch of noise this preseason? Where did this, where did this whole Darren Waller uh, world arrive from? Well, the news about him pretty much came through hard knocks and a lot of people did not know of his story. It's a great story. He originally was dealing with a ton of substance abuse problems that actually got him out of the league. He got suspended a couple times at the NFL. The Ravens ended up cutting him. He was a practice squad player for a little bit, but it was mostly just because he couldn't stop just taking drugs. And then he ended up finally being able to, you know, get off it. And then he was able to go to rehab. He cut it entirely. And now the Raiders gave him a chance and he has taken advantage of that chance in full stride as he's been one of the best tight ends in the entire league this season. Okay, so it's a cool. great story. A lot of people don't know about him, but it's definitely something that's worth monitoring. And it just shows that, you know, he's kind of a beacon of hope for some people who, you know, have struggled with some substance abuse issues. And he showed that he can overcome them and become a very successful NFL player. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. It's interesting. And the the Raiders do kind of have like a, a Baltimore Ravens light sort of offense where they without they have a great running attack. Obviously, it's a lot different in Oakland. But their primary pass catchers this season with Tyrell Williams injuries here and there have been their tight ends and Darren Waller, Foster Moreau. And then there's one other guy, and I'm blanking on his name right now, uh, a carrier. So they've had three tight ends that you caught passes well for them. So aside from Tyrell Williams, who's your favorite uh, uh, Raiders pass catcher on this team? Well, this is solely based on college because I'm a huge college football guy. I'm a huge Hunter Renfro guy. I know when he was coming out of the league, I feel like he was undervalued. People looked at him. And didn't really think much of him. I loved everything I saw about him at Clemson. I thought Renfro was a tremendous route runner. He seemed like a guy who didn't have blazing speed, but his, his routes are just so precise. And I feel like that's something that's definitely stood out to the Raiders coaching staff. And, I mean, he doesn't get targeted that many times a game. But I definitely think that he is just a tremendous player to watch when it comes to just how precise he is with his routes. So I personally love watching him play football. Has he been sticking in the slot throughout the year, too, as that kind of like typical, you know, smaller, quicker white guy position? Uh, for the most part. I mean, they kind of bounce him around here and there. They try to get him in as many one-on-one situations as possible because of the fact that he is able to create some separation with his routes. But overall, he's kind of been juggling around mostly in the slot, though, give or take. Okay. Yeah, the last thing about the Raiders offense, um, just from watching them, is they run like a lot of like cool plays to open guys open. Their play action is, game is really fun. There's always like a lot of open receivers, and like it doesn't amount to like you know big passes, but they'll create somebody open for like a four yard pass on third and two. You're like, oh, that's a really cool play. I enjoy that one, and they kind of tend to do that a lot too. I think Gruden's well, that's been, a Gruden uh, special, the uh, the spider two wide banana. Yeah, I mean, he's done. A, yeah, he's done a great job doing that sort of thing. Uh, is there anything else you want to add about for the Raiders offense? Uh, in terms of the team as a whole, I'm definitely pleased with what I've seen so far. Uh, Carr needs to stop fumbling the ball to the back of the end zone, but of course he's just trying to score touchdowns. So that's kind of a no, that's no big deal. But in terms of the Raiders, you also have to keep in mind on how this team was originally formed. And now Antonio Brown was supposed to be the huge play threat for the Raiders. So you lose probably the most talented player you would have had offensively. And, of course, your offense, and especially your receiving core, is going to take a huge hit 
So I think it definitely makes sense on why the Raiders receivers, with the exception of Tyrell Williams, have been a little bit underwhelming because of the fact that they're originally game planning all offseason to use Antonio Brown, and now they can't. So I definitely think that's something to keep in mind. I think Oakland definitely needs a number one receiver moving forward if they are going to take the next step. But with the offensive line and the running game, they definitely have shown signs of life, and that's definitely something that's encouraging. Yeah, they've been a lot better than I thought they were going to be this year. And like you mentioned, you're watching the Raiders this season, so you're like, they just, they're missing something. I wonder what that thing is. You're like, oh, yeah, they're missing you know what was a former top three wide receiver in the league that they uh, planned for the season too. And his absence, like you can really just feel with uh, just how they have to manufacture uh, yards in the passing game this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I could have put it any better. I mean, they're making the best of a bad situation. That's how I would phrase it. Yeah, so the defensively, the Raiders have 10 sacks. They have 22 quarterback hits. Last season, they had 12 sacks. Khalil Mack had 11. Uh, they're close to eclipsing last year's mark already. They have a linebacker group composed of Tahir Whitehead and Nicholas Morrow. And the Packers did a really good job last uh, last weekend chewing them up. Their safety play is good. LaMarcus Jr. and Carl Joseph. I guess their, their quarterbacks are going to be uh, Daniel Worley and then also, I guess, Trayvon Mullen on the other side is going to make his first start this week after the Gary and Conley uh, trade that happened. So is there anything this defense does well in Oakland? Can they do uh, anything well, good? That's a great question. Uh, you're making me talk about their defense. I mean, overall, they're def- they're really good against the run. Kind of similarly to what you talked about the Texans before and how you, I believe you said they were, they were, I forgot what the exact rating was that you gave them in terms of rush defense. But overall, Oakland's actually been great against the run this season. Opponents are only averaging 3.6 yards per carry, which is in the top five in the entire NFL. So even though their pass defense is a complete mess, they've actually been really good against the run. Which, I mean, I guess that makes opponents one-dimensional, but when you're all full guard in the other dimension, that kind of doesn't really accomplish much. But as a whole, the Raiders have been very solid against the run. They'll look to definitely keep that moving forward. But this team just can't get after the passer. I mean, this is this is what's the Achilles heel of the team right now. They have some issues, but the main issue is just the defensive line, and now they just can't get after the quarterback, as you stated all the stats before. Plus, their linebacking group got significantly worse after Burfick got suspended for the entire season, as he was also a veteran leader on the team. I know he's had off the field issues. And I know he's a dirty player, but at the same point, he still has a lot of experience and the Raiders definitely expected him to be one of the leaders on defense. So with him gone, I'm not surprised to see the Raiders defense look all out of sorts last week. I question how quickly they're going to be able to rectify that. But as a whole, the defense is very good against the run and they're not really good against anything else. Okay. Um, so what are your thoughts on their rookies in the front four uh, and Clyland Farrell, and Max Crosby? Do these look like foundational defensive players at all? For me, No. I'm a little bit more harsh on Farrell because I actually liked him out of college, but he was a top four pick. I believe he was top he was top four, top five. I think he was the fourth pick. So uh, there are a lot of expectations going, especially considering the fact that every mock draft had him going in the 20s, and he was taken in the very, very early part of the first round. He's one sack and three tackles for a loss in five games, and the one sack he had was one of the most unimpressive sacks I've ever seen, where it seemed like he was getting – I'm not even joking. If you actually look at his first, his only sack – he was getting blocked, and then the quarterback stayed in the pocket for about six seconds, and he tackled him. And that was really Denver, right? Yeah, it really yeah. wasn't anything impressive. It was a classic Joe Flacco move of just no mobility in the pocket standing there like a statue. But overall, he's definitely left a lot to be desired. Crosby's been pretty good. Do I think he's a foundational piece or anything like that? No, but I definitely think he has shown me more than Farrell has, which is definitely concerning for you know Mayock taking a huge reach in the top five and then getting one sack of production through five games. I mean, Farrell's had some injury issues. Yeah, he was in concussion protocol a couple weeks ago. He's finally healthy again. But as a whole, I think Crosby's looked better than Farrell. 
but I definitely think both of them haven't done anything to jump off the page, so to speak. Yeah, I, I Crosby has definitely jumped out a lot more than Farrell, except for that one yeah. sack, like you mentioned. Like when I watch Crosby play, I'm like this guy has some juice to him. He also looks like somebody who would who came like straight out of a Call of Duty video game as well, with the That's tattoos true. and the hair and everything. Uh, he's mm-hmm. fun to watch play though. I think Crosby's definitely shown more, as you said, than Farrell has, just because of the fact he has more sacks. He did play in one more game, and Farrell does have more tackles for loss. But as a whole, Crosby, as you as you said, shows more juice. I feel like Farrell, if you're watching film or just watching the games itself, he just kind of vanishes. You just don't realize he's there. And I think that's something that's very concerning, considering the fact that the Raiders made a bold choice in taking him that early in the draft. So he's definitely going to have to pick it up moving forward. Yeah, and the Raiders are kind of like the hipsters of the NFL with some of their picks. Like they drafted that guy in the seventh round nobody's heard of before. Uh, mm-hmm. Drafting Farrell, drafting running back in the first round. And so I could kind of say that the Raiders been that team. They're kind of better off actually drafting later on instead of way early where they can reach on talent, try to get too cute, and kind of a fun narrative way to look at their team as well. Um, their, their number one sack guy is Masoya, and he's 28 years old. Is this a like, guy who's just a guy, or is there like any sort of like pass rushing talent with him? I think he has talent because if you have that many sacks already, then you definitely have to have you have to have some idea what you're doing. At the same point, I think he's also stood out more because everybody else in the defensive line has a look so pedestrian. I don't want to sound that harsh, but when you're surrounded by a lot of people who aren't really doing anything and you're doing a little bit, you look a lot better. I feel like it depends on who on how your peers are looking. I definitely think that he has some juice left, but as you mentioned, his age, I don't know how many years he's got left in the tank for the Raiders. But he's definitely been a pleasant surprise that I don't think anybody saw coming in during the season. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the run defense being good this year. How much is that just with having Jonathan Hankins on the front four? I mean, that definitely helps. I mean, anything that could just clog up the middle is definitely something you want to keep in mind. I definitely think that the run defense would have been a lot better. I, mean, I think it's already top five, but it, I think it could have been top two if Jonathan Abram was still healthy. I was a huge fan of Abram watching him in uh, college, and then I watched him in the first game of the season. He can play. I think in terms of foundational pieces, I think that they – I don't want to get too early in these predictions. I think Farrell looks like a miss. But at the same point, I think Abram in one game before he ended up suffering a shoulder injury that's going to keep him out for the rest of the year, I think he can be a star. I think he's that good. I think he brings some physicality to the team. And I definitely think that just the ability of the Raiders to clog up the middle is definitely something that's worth keeping in mind moving forward. It's, it's the only thing the Raiders do well defensively. I think that Rangers definitely helps – and I think they will definitely look to continue that. But they might have to sacrifice some of the rush defense in order to actually get after the quarterback once in a while. They, they definitely need to adjust. Mm-hmm. Um, so this week, the Texans' offensive line, you know, it's been better now that they figure out who's going to play where. Uh, with uh, Larry Tensel left tackle, Max Sharping left guard, then Martin well, at Howard's center. Out, right? Yeah, Howard's out. He's going to be out for maybe two or three more weeks. He uh, tore his – he injured his MCL, so he just needs to sit out for a while. Though, so he's yeah. Yeah, he just he'll recover just by sitting around on the couch and hanging out. Uh, Robert Johnson's replacing him at right tackle, but he got hurt last week, and they brought in uh, I don't know. He's a six foot ten guy from New England. He wasn't very good whenever he came in the last few drives or so. So, is there? Do you think the Raiders can get any pass rush against Houston? How do you think this game is going to look out? Is just going to be hoping Houston throws the ball from a Texans fan perspective and uh, and scores a bunch of points? And is any running play going to be a waste of time? How do you think this game is going to play out for uh, whenever the Raiders are on defense? I wouldn't say that any running play will be a waste of time. Carlos Hyde has shown a little bit of juice. I believe more juice than people anticipated when, when they acquired him, you know, that early to the start of the season. I mean, Duke Johnson's also a threat of the backfield, but as a whole, 
I think we can both agree that the Texans are best off when the ball's in Deshaun Watson's hands with time to throw in the pocket. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the entire league. Do I think any Raiders cornerback has a shot at stopping DeAndre Hopkins? No. No chance. I know Will Fuller is doubtful for this game, but Kenny Stills did a pretty good job last week with 100-plus receiving yards. I think he'll look to continue playing well. Kiki Cutie is showing signs of life. He's had some injury issues, but overall, I know he scored a rushing touchdown of all things last week. But as a whole, I definitely think the Texans will look to try to air it out, especially after what happened with Aaron Rodgers last week with the Raiders. I don't say any running plays a waste of time because you still got to keep the defense honest, and it's still a good option to pick up third and short, fourth and short on some run plays. But as a whole, I think Watson's going to air it out. I think he's probably going to throw for over 300-something yards. And I think after only throwing for one touchdown pass last week with two interceptions— I think he'll probably go for three-plus touchdowns in this game, in my yeah. opinion. Um, so my last question for you about the very specifically, is there anything that they do well on defense, and is there anything that the coaching staff does to make up for the, the lack of pass rush and the issues that they have? Well, I mean, the one thing I mentioned well, that except they do for the, I'm sorry, but I know you mentioned the run yeah. defense. Is there anything that the coaching staff does to help make, out, make up for some of the issues? Like, Are there any like, cool scheme wrinkle, wrinkles that you can expect from in this game? I... I mean, it's kind of tricky to tell because of the fact that they just traded one of their corners. So I'm trying to figure out if they'll change anything to speak of. I feel their defense also had to shift around once Burfitt got suspended as they might be giving more playing time to linebackers that don't exactly deserve it. But in terms of the Raiders themselves, I know they've been setting a decent amount of pressure and it hasn't really worked. They got to, as of right now, in terms of wrinkles, they just got to send more pressure. If their front four can't generate anything, which it really hasn't, and you're against the top, a top five, top ten quarterback in the league, that's a really bad combo. And now you just traded a cornerback for a third-round pick, which means you're sending up another guy on the depth chart higher up. That is not a good sign. And I don't know who's going to be guarding DeAndre Hopkins, but I'm praying for their safety because it's not going to go well. And I definitely think that in terms of anything they can do, they can either A, hope that Farrell or any of the other people or Crosby actually get to the quarterback, especially with the Texans – using a third-string tackle, so maybe they can be able to generate something. But as a whole, they're just going to have to keep sending added pressure because they cannot let Watson have time to throw in the pocket. They may want to try some bump and, you know, some press coverage to try to, you know, buy some extra time for the pass rushers. But as a whole, I really don't think it's going to matter. Not to sound that pessimistic for Raiders fans out there, but it's a really bad matchup for Oakland in this game. Yeah, I think the one saving grace they have is that Bill O'Brien can have some bad offensive game plans sometimes, so they'll like come out, try to run the ball, spend every first and ten running the ball, fall behind, and then actually let Watson take advantage and throw the ball to the well, air. You forgot about, catch up. Forgot about, yeah, but you forgot about the fourth and one QB sweep play that they run every single every single game instead of just running a QB sneak up the middle. Yeah. I'm assuming you know what I'm talking about. They run that play at least like four times a year, and every time and it I'm works just, every time. Well, it yeah. works well because it's just that zone replay, and they always pick up like 27 yards on it or whatever. They had a great oh. touchdown off that play against the Saints earlier much, this year. Yeah, I mean, O'Brien as a coach, I'm not really going to go much into it because you've definitely covered him more. I think he leaves a lot to be desired. Do I think he's an awful coach? No. Do I think he's an amazing coach? No. I feel like that's the problem you run into with Bill O'Brien. Yeah, there's just that's like... Yeah, there's some games where he is like just a dud, like a a dud game plan. Like last week against Indianapolis is a good example. And then the best way to describe O'Brien is that he gets the bare minimum out of his roster. It's kind of like Derek Carr, like he gets the minimum out of the offense, but he's not going to be like above and beyond and get more of of his players than you typically would expect them to. And that's not even mentioning the decisions he's made in the front office. That's a completely separate animal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, as a whole, his job's a lot easier when you have people like like J.J. Watt and Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins. But 
I don't think I've ever. I think he's one of the worst coaches in the league in terms of challenges and in terms of using timeouts. I don't think I've ever seen Bill O'Brien actually win a challenge. You could correct me if I'm wrong. Every time I can't, I, watch them I can't play, name on the top of my head. Every time I watch them play, they lose, and I remember they lose the challenge. And every time that I remember in one of the first games of the season, he called the timeout just to challenge something, and then he lost the challenge, so he used two timeouts in the span of one play. Yeah, I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, that's that against New Orleans. It was it was bad. That's yeah. what that was. It was. It was in the first game of the regular season. It was terrible. Yeah, I kind, of, I kind of forgot about that one. There's so many of them like that, though, that you kind of forget about. They just pile on top of each other. Uh, last week, his really great uh, coaching decision was to run the kicker out of the, out of the end zone to take the safety to add field position or whatever just to make it a, a one-score game, make it from a five-point game to a seven-point game. But he let 33 seconds of clock run from the time Watson was sacked at that point and wasted time on the process. So like, there's always something like that in a close game that... Some, there's always something just like very dumb lurking around the corner with him when it comes to game management. Well, let me ask. I know that you asked me per, You asked me if I thought that Derek Hart could potentially lead this team to success in the future if they should trade him. Do you think the Texans can do anything as long as Bill O'Brien's their head coach? Uh, I've given up kind of all hope after last week's indie game. Where that's that's a, fair. Where that's a ga- yeah, yeah. Well, that was a game for sure where the Texans should win by 10 points or so just because they're a more, a more talented football team with Watson. Well, the Colts and, were off a bye, though. That definitely did play a factor with the Colts. They were able to get an extra week of preparation. Yeah, I think so. But, I mean, it's just like he just consistently ran the ball in first and 10. His uh, red zone play calling was terrible in that first half. And the second half, they actually took advantage of some shots on first and 10 and attacked the Colts secondary. Instead of spending the entire first half trying to establish the run, and they're down 21-9, and they're down 28-16. And they're playing catch-up in a game they shouldn't have played catch-up before. But like after that game, I'm kind of like I'm not expecting anything from him at all. I don't think he's ever going to go anywhere. I think just going to keep like finishing, you know, nine and seven or so. Do you think they should hold six. Uh, I think so, but it's not going to happen. You know. Oh, I agree with you. I, we're on the same page on that. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think they should have fired him. You know, last year after that Colts performance in the playoffs, and it's just like it just never gets better. It's just they're kind of stuck at where they're at. You know. Yeah, I feel you. I mean, that playoff game against the Colts was, it was ugly. And that, that, that's how I put that. The game was over pretty much before it started. Yeah. And, well, and they went down 21-0 and they just gave up. And they well, went to really stagnant yeah, offense, too. That's one thing that you have noticed, though, when watching the Colts play the Texans. Frank Reich is so much of a better coach than Bill O'Brien. Yeah. And I know that usually in football, you know, coaches, coach, and players play. But you can you can just see the difference in the way that the teams are run. And Frank Reich, I think, is one of the most underrated coaches in the entire league. So I definitely think that Bill O'Brien leaves a lot to be desired. Because based on based on paper, the Texans should be completing should be competing for an AFC title pretty much every year, and they haven't even gotten to an AFC title game. Yeah, and their entire so. history. And like the, they beat the Colts last week, then they're five and two, then they're in like the hot seat to compete for a first round bye and potential home field advantage. Yeah. And now they're now they're game and a half behind. Also fighting for a wild card spot, and you get nowhere in between. That's yeah. the way it works every single week. Yeah. But yeah, so they're an entertaining team to watch. Yeah, for sure. And they're game half behind now. And I think this Raider game is going to be close. I think it's going to be like one possession game or so. It's probably like 30-23. I think Texas by a touchdown. Yeah, I have them 30-23. What's your prediction for this game? Uh, uh, It was actually somewhere – I had 31-24. So actually pretty much right exactly where you had it. Because I think that this game should be high scoring based on the fact that both teams just defensively leave a lot to be desired. But I think Oakland's defense is significantly worse than Houston's. So I don't think anyone can cover Hopkins. I think Hopkins will catch a touchdown, go for at least 120. I'd say I think he go for at least 120 plus because I don't really see how anyone Oakland can cover him. 
I think Hyde will do pretty much nothing. I hope I'm wrong because he's on my fantasy team, but we'll see about that. But as a whole, I I have to assume after last week's clunker, I think that Watson's going to go off this upcoming week. Yeah, my I think it's also going to be a good Duke Johnson game too. Yeah, well, I mean, Oakland has struggled in pretty much every aspect, and after Aaron Jones had a pass had a had a touchdown reception last week, I think he's definitely going to be a threat of the backfield because Johnson, he's been hit or miss. I know he's had some injury issues early on in his career. He's always been a good pass catcher out of the backfield. His ball security leaves a lot to be desired, but I definitely think that he could get some mismatches against the Raiders linebacking core. I think that they will definitely look for him in the passing game in this game. Okay, cool. Well, um, thanks for being on tonight, Scott. Is there anywhere we can catch some of the things you write or podcast or uh, anything that you put out there on the internet? Oh, yes. Uh, if you want to reach out to me, you can find me at Reichel Radio on Twitter. So that's R-E-I-C-H-E-L Radio at Twitter. And if you want to uh, keep in touch with my Raiders, in addition to the Raiders, I also do the 49ers every week uh, with a podcast with uh, Believe, and it's the Betting Barrier podcast. You can find me on that if you want to reach out to me. But overall, look forward to hearing from all of you. We would decide to reach out. Okay, great. Well, thanks for being on tonight, Scott. The Texans play the Oakland Raiders this Sunday at 3.05. And uh, it should be a good game. I think it's going to be fairly close. Yeah, I think it'll be fairly high scoring. And the Raiders are better than people think they are this year because it's been, you know, whenever you're bad for that long, it takes a while for people to kind of pick up on on what's changed with them too. I got to give props to Gruden. I mean, people thought going in that this team was going to be a mess and going on hard knocks after such a terrible year was definitely a bold thing to do. It's definitely a Raider thing to do, so to speak. But as a whole, I don't think really anybody thought the Raiders would be 3-3 three and three after six weeks. Do I think it's going to go well in the future? No, I think this team's going to finish with roughly five or six wins. I think it's going to go pretty poorly based on just how badly the defense has played. But as a whole, I don't think anybody thought the Raiders would be three and three at this point in time. So I got to give Bruton some props at this point. Okay, great. Well, um, thanks for being on tonight, Scott. Thank you for listening to Red Radio. Uh, I'm Matt Weston, and we'll be back on probably Sunday night or Monday morning uh, recapping this Texans Raiders game.